Richard. Um, okay, what I'd like us to do to start this morning is, is to think for a moment in one writer, and you may want to write it down. What is the most important thing to you in one word? Some of you, it, it might be family. Uh, one word might be holidays. Uh, one word this time of year, uh, one word could be enjoyment, or it, it could be cake. I don't know. What is the most important thing? I'd like you to think about now, taking that same idea of, of, of one most important word with regard to purity, think for a moment, again, I'm not going to make you call it out loud, but I think if, you, if you're trying to encapsulate the most important thing about purity, what one word would you think of? I wonder whether it might be holiness or, or righteousness or maybe goodness. But one of the most important words, I believe, with regard to purity is actually yes, the word yes. And this may not be the word that you most readily associate with purity because often we think about being pure is saying no. No, you can't do this. You can't do that. That behavior is not allowed. But this morning, we are going to be exploring purity and exploring the importance of the word yes. Because yes is a wonderful word to hear. Think of the opportunities that you might hear it say, can I have pudding? Yes. Is this free? Yes. Are the tests all clear? Yes. Have they arrived yet? Yes. Or, depending on how you feel about that person, are they gone yet? Yes. But what does this have to do with purity? Because living pure is about saying yes. It's saying yes to God and yes to what will bring him glory, and pleasure. And I wonder this morning, in your life, what are you saying yes to? You're saying yes to the demands from work. Yes to the bills that need to be paid. Yes to expectations of those around us. Yes to time with family. All of these things can be important, but we are to say yes, first and foremost, to God. That's where our first yes needs to be. Now, um, this month we're in a series looking at 1 Peter in the New Testament, and it's called Faithful in Exile. And living as those following Jesus means we are to be different from others around us in this world. We live with a different purpose and with different values. There's pressure on, all, on us from everyone around to live in a certain way. Our, our culture is trying to disciple us. Every advertisement that we see, every news broadcast, every TV program we watch is telling us this is how you should think. They're encouraging us to say yes to a new car, to say yes to that new app, yes to that new product that will revolutionize your life. Every time I go on YouTube, it's telling me to say yes to monday.com. I don't know if that anyone else or is that just me, but everywhere we go, there's an encouragement to say yes to something or other. The culture says, you are your own person. Be true to yourself. But the gospel says, you are purchased at a price. Live to please Jesus. This is countercultural, but it brings life. If we're going to live effectively as exiles, those whose identity is caught up in being citizens of heaven, not citizens of this world, we need to be serious about living with purity. We need to be serious about saying yes each and every day. But why do we want to live in impurity, live with purity? 
few moments ago I asked you what the most important thing to you, if you sum it up in one word. I wonder how many of us would have had purity up there. Would that have been your one word? But purity is about living with a right view of who God is and how we live in response. Purity is about saying yes to what is good and no to what is bad. When we go to a restaurant, we want those who are involved in preparing and serving the meal to have a high value on purity. We don't want the things that we eat or drink to be contaminated. We want them to be saying yes to hygiene and yes to what is good to put into our food. We want them to be disciplined in their hand washing and not just do whatever they feel. I said, I don't feel it's really a reflection of me as a person to wash my hands this day. We want them to say yes to purity. Purity is about living in a way that brings life and wholeness and prevents death and decay. This morning, that we, will, we will see that purity is also about sometimes saying no. Saying no to gossip. Saying no to lying. Saying no to temptation. But it's saying no because we've said yes to something greater. It's not just about that word no and, and denial. It's because we've said yes to life with God. We said yes to life in all its fullness. We said yes to the one who creates and sustains. We said yes to an adventure of faith with him. So this morning we're going to be reading from uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. So if you have a Bible and like to, to turn there, in our church Bibles it's page 1217. Um, the uh, words are also going to come up on the screen behind me as well. So 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're going to read from verse 13. It says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that you call us to life with you and that you supply everything that we need to do that. I pray today that we would be open to what you say and do. We pray, Holy Spirit, won't you be at work amongst us? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as we go, we're going to read a little bit more as we go from, from 1 Peter, but I'm, I'm just pausing there um, and we're going to look at the, the first of three things I want to, us to explore uh, that we need to say yes to if we live with purity in exile. The first thing we need to say yes to is yes to a radical adventure. Yes to a radical adventure. Because living with purity in this world is something that requires action. In life, our default position is often to drift along with the current. Last summer, we went kayaking on the River Stour over in Christchurch, which is a wonderful place to go and explore on the water. But if you stop paddling for a moment, then you realize that you start drifting. If you don't do anything, you're going to be drifted along um, by the current. You can be enjoying your surroundings, and then the next moment you find yourselves in the weeds or um, in the uh, path of an oncoming boat. If you lift your oars, you'll drift. And this is our, our natural state of, of being in life. We drift. If we're not alert today, then we get caught up with what other people think are important, with the world's priorities and not with what, um, with what God says. So Peter says we are to live with minds that are alert. The English Standard Version renders it like this, preparing your minds for action. 
Uh, the Greek, the literal Greek is gird up the loins of your mind, which uh, is a bit of a strange phrase, gird up the loins of your mind. I don't know if you've said that to anyone recently. Um, but what, what that calls to mind is that at the time they would have worn long flowing robes, which have been wonderful most of the time. But if you actually need to move quickly at any moment, you need to tuck the ends of your robe um, into your belt so that you can move quickly. So that's the, the image that Peter is conjuring up Get yourself ready. Gird up the loins of your mind. For us to live pure, we need to be alert and ready to move. Now, for us, we don't maybe have those long flowing garments for us to to gird up our our loins of our mind. But we do know what it's like to be ready to move. So I don't know about you. Maybe last night um, you were uh, ordered a takeaway. Just imagine that you had. Um, And then uh, it's it's supposed to come at 8 o'clock. Um, and it's now 8.15, um, and so you're sitting down, but you're very aware of every car door that slams outside. You're very aware of every footstep that you hear, and at the slightest movement near the front door, you are ready to move. So that's the kind of uh, mentality that we are after, some, uh, a posture of readiness for action, because it's 8.15, you're hungry, you're ready for this takeaway. This is contrast to maybe later on in the evening, 10.15, 10.30, uh, you're watching Netflix, a TV series, um, and it just keeps on repeating, uh, keeps on going on to the next episode. Because they only give you about one and a half seconds, don't they, before it goes on to the next episode. And so it's so easy just to sit there and let episode after episode go as you slowly vegetate and become one with the sofa for the rest of the evening. So of those two images, we're to be those that are ready, ready for action, alert to what is happening, not just vegetating on our our sofas. And because it does take action, for us to live with purity, for us to say yes to Jesus time and time again, we need to be alert, to be ready. Because Peter is telling us that life as exiles, it's not going to be simple. It's not going to be easy and plain sailing. It's not about going with the flow. It shouldn't be surprising to us. Anything that is worthwhile takes effort. Getting good grades, mastering a musical instrument, developing deep relationships, they all take time, effort. They take serious preparation. And Peter's speaking from experience. He left everything to follow Jesus. He walked away from his livelihood. He left his nets so that he could say yes to the radical adventure of life with Jesus. Think one moment, what, what would that have been like? What would it be like now for someone to say, leave everything that you have. Leave your place of, of security, your livelihood, and go and follow me. So like Peter, we need to say no to passivity and get our minds ready for a radical adventure today. Because when we say yes to Jesus, he calls us on this adventure. You may, may remember uh, Simon Gilbo, who spoke here just over a year ago. He was called to Burundi in 1999. He faced genocide and civil war and has seen remarkable stories of God's goodness and faithfulness in sharing Jesus in a war-torn country. Uh, He says this, should come up on the screen. Do you want the adventure of living or would you prefer the safety of existing? Are you itching for a deeper and more raw expression of following Jesus? Are we meant to be a dangerous people, wide-eyed radicals, dreamers of the day? What does radical living look like in the 21st century? Or should I just resign myself to a safe, sanitized 
respectable, middle-class Christianity. Challenging words for us today. And your adventure might look like that, going to uh, another country. Or it might look different. Your adventure might be asking a neighbor if you can pray for them this week. It might be an opportunity to tell some of the truth of Jesus. It might not be Burundi, but we are to say yes to the opportunities that are in front of us. This week, I had the opportunity to go into a local school to be involved in a prayer space. Um, and there was a, an opportunity for the, the kids to ask any question. And so there's 38-year-olds in front of me, and one of them asked, who made God? That was a radical adventure. And Burundi seemed quite appealing at that moment. But whatever it is, we're to say yes to Jesus, like Peter did, like Simon Gilbo did, like Ian and Lindsay Kennedy did. They've just celebrated a year of their church being established in Glasgow. They said yes to go and and follow him. Purity is about saying yes in the day-to-day so we also can say yes in those big moments of faith. Now, why could Peter drop everything and, and follow Jesus? Because he'd counted the cost and realized that following Jesus was better. Saying yes to Jesus means embracing grace and hope. And it's God's grace that comes first. In the preceding uh, verses in this chapter, we've seen how God has taken an initiative. The work of salvation through Jesus is totally a grace gift. It's unearned and unmerited. Through the resurrection of Jesus, our souls are secure. Now, we live in a time where we see God's kingdom and rule in part, but not fully. We've experienced his grace, but we still see the effects of sin and death all around us. And this is why we hope. We read this in in verse 13. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. This radical adventure is not just about this life. The adventure here is just a glimpse of the adventure that is to come. We set our hope on the grace to be revealed when Jesus comes again. We set our hope on a time when we are not exiles, but we are truly at home. We await a time when God will dwell perfectly with his people. There'll be no more sickness, pain, fear, death, or disappointment. We will live, we will know life with God in fullness. And so we set our hope fully on this. This is secure and certain. We live profoundly confident that this does take disciplined living and disciplined thinking. Grace is a free gift, but it's not an excuse for laziness. We're to go all in on this radical adventure. And you may be deciding today, do I want to give my life to him? And you may be thinking, I've given my life to him. But as you look at it, it's not fully. You might say yes to him on a, on a Sunday morning, but a Monday morning looks completely different. He's calling us to say yes and to say yes fully to him, to be all in. But as Peter calls us, verse 14, obedient children. When we say yes, we're saying yes to our father. And every, any parent knows that these are wonderful words when spoken together, obedient children. Sadly, they're normally describing someone else's children and not your own. But when you look at a child, when they've been asked, for, asked to do something, you can sometimes see that internal battle that's taking place in their minds. No, I don't want to stop what I'm doing and wash my hands for dinner. No, I don't want to say sorry for that unkind thing I've said. No, I don't want to share with the, the toy that I've just started playing with. 
Well, when seeking to live pure, we battle these same challenges. No, I don't want to stop wasting time on social media. No, I don't want to say sorry for snapping at you at the end of the day. No, I don't want to give the money that I've earned by being generous. He's called us. We're his children, and he invites us into adventure. Because a father has high standards for his children, not less. He wants more for his children. He expects more. They're a reflection of him. They carry his name. And so a good father will call out good behavior in his children. If I walk past the playground and seeing kids misbehave, I'm unlikely to go and intervene unless it was a very serious situation. But what if I noticed it's one of my kids who's misbehaving? And that's a very different story because I want the best for them. We are called to live differently because we know the love of a father. We are saved by grace, but this isn't a free pass to do whatever we like. The message interpretation of uh, this verse says, don't slip lazily back into those old grooves of evil. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil. We say no to these evil desires because we've said yes to something better. We've said yes to our heavenly father. God calls us to a life of purity and radical adventure. And he calls us to say yes to him on a daily basis. Let's explore what Peter says next. We're going to turn to verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you're redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. So we've seen, we've had that invitation to a radical adventure. Next, we're to see that we're to say yes to a radical view of a holy God. Yes to a radical view of a holy God. We've already read verse 16 of how we are to be holy or just as God is holy. And we now pair this with a call to live as foreigners or exiles in reverent fear. We're to live with reverent fear. Because it's easy to go through life with the wrong view of God. We can make God seem small and and tame and at times toothless. We can view him like a a benevolent uncle or a heavenly father Christmas. One who pats us on the head when we get it right or may only touch disappointedly if we get things wrong. One who might go to for treats but doesn't really affect how we live in the day-to-day of life. If we're to live with purity, we need to say yes to living with reverent fear. Yes to a right view of who God is. C.S. Lewis helps us with this in in the well-known description in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. When Mr. Beaver tells Susan that Aslam, who's the ruler of Narnia, is a great lion. Susan's surprised since she assumed Aslam was a man. She then tells Mr. Beaver, I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. She asks Mr. Beaver if Aslan is safe, to which Mr. Beaver replies, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. He is the king. We're to come before God with fear. And as Christians, we can ask, why why should we live in fear? Isn't that against many things that we read? Even our, our text from the Psalms this morning, 
there's a repeated frame from God through Scripture, don't be afraid, I'm with you. Perfect love casts out fear, and this is true. However, <clears throat> there is a right fear. There is a reverent fear. Rightful reverence of the awesome, holy, powerful nature of God. We see reverent fear to some degree when you stand at the base of a huge mountain or are confronted with the crashing of giant waves. We're awestruck at the size, the power, the majesty of what is before us. We're to have a right Godward fear. And this is not contradictory to hope. The early church grew and flourished as they lived in the fear of the Lord, it tells us in Acts 9, verse 31. Reverent fear is not a paralyzing terror, but rather a right realization of how things truly are. Our God is holy. He's majestic. He's powerful. He's ruling. He's reigning. He's high and lifted up. And we are to reflect his holiness as we live. We can think that we're most accessible to others around us when we're, we're culturally relevant, when we uh, look and sound exactly the same as everyone around us, or if, or if we're completely inept, think that we're completely clueless. But we represent God best when we show the transformation that God has brought in our lives, when we let his light shine through us, not hide it away. We say yes to this view because of what God has done. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 20 says, you are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And this is countercultural living. The prevailing thought is that we can do whatever we like with our bodies. But as we read in verse 18 and 19, we, we see that we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. This is recording the deliverance of the people of Israel from Egypt and the Passover lamb being given as a sacrifice so the people could be called out to worship. It's the same for us. Jesus is the only one who said yes perfectly. We all fall short. We all get it wrong. He has provided the way to holiness so that we can put our trust in him and worship the living God. We are counted as pure and clean because of Jesus and what he has done. We see reference gold and silver in this text, and they do endure a long time, and they're worth a lot. I'm sure if anyone offered us a lot of gold and silver, then we'd be more than happy to take it off their hands. But there is not lasting worth in this. Money will perish, but the blood of Jesus stands forever. It is also more costly. Jesus lived perfect, totally pure, breathtaking, and undefiled. He gave his life freely for us. Death and sin are defeated, and he is truly faithful. When we say yes to Jesus, we can know this holy, awesome, powerful God. Hebrews 10 verse 19 encourages us, therefore, brothers and sisters, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. We can say yes to coming near to God with confidence. He equips us to come before God and live right before those around us. We say yes to this right view of God, and this affects how we think of others. We can Ask ourselves this morning, are we going to be more fearful of God? Are we going to be more fearful of others? Uh, Elliot Clark's written uh, this excellent book, Evangelism as Exiles, uh, which is very helpful and goes alongside the, the series. If you haven't got a hold of a copy, I encourage you to do so um, and read. Um, he says, 
But fear leads us to hold back from sharing the good news of Jesus with those around us. He says this, we don't evangelize because of the expected social and emotional ramifications for us. If we're honest, the real reason we don't preach the gospel to our neighbors is because we don't want to be embarrassed. A feeling of anxiety and dread well up within us and drown out our evangelistic zeal. The problem, that the solution isn't to eliminate all fears. Our absence of appropriate fear is actually part of the problem. The solution we find in 1 Peter is to fight fear with fear, to grow in our fear of God and our fear for, not of, our fellow man. It's our absence of appropriate, uh, appropriate fear that holds us back. Here we can see that our desire for comfort has often usurped our calling. Before telling people about Jesus, we have in our minds, what will people think of me? How, am I going to be rejected? Are people going to cast me aside? The start of truth is, is found in Luke 9, verse 26, where Jesus said, Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in glory and in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. When we fear God, we can communicate his goodness to those around us freely. We overcome our fear with a greater reverent fear. Think for a moment. Does fear of what others think or the wonder of God's awesomeness fill our view today? Which one is the greater fear in our lives? We are able to live with purity. And we say yes to a radical view of the Holy God. Let's uh, go on to the last section we're going to read this morning. Verse 22. Peter says, Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass. And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So the last thing I want to look at this morning is that we are called to say yes to radical community. We say yes to radical community. Peter tells us that to live with purity is about living in right relationship with others. Living in radical, radical community gives us a real opportunity to grow in holiness. But it takes a choice to say yes. Yes to loving one another. Verse 22, we read, now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. A challenge. What a challenge that is to us, to love one another from the heart. There's real joy when radical community is working right. A week or so ago, I was, I was fighting off a, a chest infection, had antibiotics and everything. I was really impacted by the number of messages that that I received, saying, oh, I heard you went well, I'm, I'm praying for you, hope you, you get better quickly. Demonstrating that the love and care, something so small, is a, a wonderful demonstration of, of community. Or had the opportunity in, in the last week to, to talk with friends about the joys and struggles 
uh, of life and knowing that we were really in it with, with each other. Well, the joy of community is the sharing of gifts. So myself and Rich have a, a, a great reciprocal arrangement. Um, he helps me with DIY and I help him with anything technical because we're completely inept in those areas. But together and in community, there's real strength. And so when community is working right, there's real power and real beauty. But sincere love does take time and commitment. This week, our our life group started an opportunity for us to do community together week on week in each other's homes. And how radical this community is, is dependent on our approach. How vulnerable are we willing to be? How honest are we going to be? We're to say yes to investing time, energy, and our hearts into these relationships. It is costly, but it is so valuable. And this is our fertile soil for us to grow in purity. We say yes to challenging conversations. In uh, chapter 2, verse 1, Peter encourages us to rid ourselves of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Notice that all of those things destroy community. All of those things destroy community. They obliterate trust. They prevent harmony. They aim for disunity. To effectively get rid of these things, we need the help of others. I don't know if you've ever been to um, one of those inflatable water parks where there's a lake, um, usually as as cold as possible, um, and a huge inflatable thing that you you get to run around in in wetsuits and, and life jackets. Uh, which is all good fun until you fall off and you fall in the water and you realize that because of the wetsuit and because of the life jacket, you can't actually get back on to the inflatable thing. And so what you need is you need friends up there who will pull you back on, grab hold of your life jacket and yank you back on to this um, inflatable thing. It's a um, completely humiliating and humbling experience. Um, but that's a, a picture of what we need to do in radical community. We'll all fall off. We'll all get it wrong but we're to know we, we grab each other and we pull each other back on. It's from this foundation of love that we can speak into each other's lives because we know we have the very best for each other. Because it is actually really easy to go and, and criticize someone you don't like or to pull others down to make yourself feel better. But to genuinely, genuinely speak truth in love to someone else, that's hard. And this is a, a good check. Like, if you know you need to have a conversation, but you really don't want to, then go and have it. If you are really looking forward to that conversation, say you got this wrong and this wrong and this wrong, it's probably best for you not to have that conversation because your heart is not for them. Asking others to say, what do you observe in me by my decisions, my actions, my words? That takes guts. They're saying yes to radical community. We don't like it, but we we know that it is for our good. When someone I trust comes to me and says, can I I mention something to you? Inside, I'm screaming, no, you cannot say anything. But out of my mouth comes the word, sure, yeah, that would be great. And when they say, when you did did this or said this, it it really hurt or it it came across in, in this way, I hate it. It brings real challenge to my identity, to my security, or the thought that I may have let someone else down. But it's for my good. It's for the good of others around as well. Proverbs 27 verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. 
faithful are the wounds of a friend. The wounds are, are faithful, but they're still painful, and they still hurt. Remember, our hope is not in ourselves, but it's in the grace of God. It's these times we remember again that Jesus is perfect and we are not, that we rest in his grace, but we're called not to be the same, to keep growing into his likeness. And so we say yes to challenging conversations. Uh, this week, I really appreciate the uh, opportunity to have a conversation with Will. We, we were able to say, how can I keep you accountable this week? And we were able to share uh, in practical ways. This week, it would be really helpful to me, keep me accountable on this. And that is that's so valuable. As elders, we occasionally have a time called the hot seat, where we, we get together and one person sits in the middle and we ask any question. These are wonderful times, but also painful times, where we are able to keep each other accountable. So can I encourage you to get others to speak into your life and speak honestly into theirs? Because there are devastating results if we neglect this. If you've been doing our community Bible readings, you'll have read this week from 2 Samuel, where you read of of David's decision, one bad decision after another, of, of seeing Bathsheba, of calling her to be with him and committing adultery, of sending for her husband Uriah and then ultimately getting Uriah killed. We need to be in a community where we are accountable and help each other to say yes to God rather than saying yes to selfish desires that destroy ourselves and others. And ultimately, we are to say yes to what lasts. Think what we're building our community on. And in a thousand years, what will still be here? The reality is nothing around us will last Verse, uh, one, chapter 1, verse 24, he says, All people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. But God's word endures forever. We say yes to God's word. And in fact, we're to crave it um, in, in chapter 2, verse 2, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so by you might grow in your salvation. For a child to grow, the input needs to exceed output. The same for the children of God. I can tell the weeks where I'm not putting any fuel in the tank, I'm not feeding well, and begin to run on empty. And the sad truth is that many of us run on empty most of the time where there's huge bounty to feast on. So I wonder, how how are you growing, and how are you encouraging others around you to grow? On Sundays, in our life groups, in community Bible reading, all important opportunities for us to be feeding on pure milk that will bring nourishment and strength. We live pure by saying yes to God's enduring word and not to the fads and fashions that will come and go. We're to be pointing each other to the word when we're making decisions, when we're living with worry or despair, or encouragement, point to God's truth, to his word that stands forever. So as I uh, come to a close, who or what are we saying yes to? To live with purity in exile, we need to be those who are saying yes to God. Yes to a radical adventure. Yes to a radical view of the holy God. And yes to radical community. But all this cannot be solely down to self-effort and discipline. We know how quickly, even with good intentions, it cannot endure. We need to be changed by the Holy Spirit living inside of us. At the end of our our passage, we read in chapter 2, verse 3, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. 
We continue to say yes because we've experienced God's goodness. Jonathan Edwards, 18th century American preacher, gives the example of, of honey and how you can give a rational explanation of the sweetness of honey. And you could give actually such a good description that you can almost taste it. But the one who has tasted honey knows infinitely more than the one who's only had it described. It's one thing to know God is holy. It's another thing to sense his holiness. It's one thing to know that God is loving. It's another thing to experience his love. And when we've tasted of the goodness of God, we long for more. We long to know him more. We long to please him. We long to point others to him. God calls us to say yes to him and to know his goodness. And the more we say yes, the more we want to know his goodness. We are called to live with purity in this world. And this doesn't mean that we're to cut ourselves off from anything or anyone impure. Jesus got a lot of stick for hanging around with tax collectors and sinners. It's about saying yes to God and seeking for others to do the same. So as I finish, there's a real challenge to us this morning. Where do you need to say yes to God? If you look at your life, would you say that you are all in? We have an opportunity. It might be for the first time you're to say yes to Jesus. Yes to putting your trust in him. Or it might be that you need to say, actually, God, I have not been all in. I need to say yes to you every single day of the week. You may need to say yes to that right view of, of who God is. Maybe you've been fearing others too much and they need to have that right reverent fear of God. You may need to say yes to some challenging conversations. I encourage you to be the first one to say, what do you observe in me? Rather than going around and saying, these are some of the things I've noticed. Let's be vulnerable with each other. And we're to say yes to experience the goodness of God and prioritizing and prizing that in our lives. Can I advise to stand and let's respond to him? Take a moment to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is living and active. We thank you that it endures. And Lord, we thank you that you do reveal yourself as our perfect father. And I pray that you would be catching us up this morning to being obedient children that look to you and that say yes. Say yes to your goodness. Yes to demonstrating the goodness of you to those around us. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you that as we stand here today, you know us completely. There's no use in pretending or, or trying to hide that you know the state of our heart, you know the state of our lives, and that you treat us with grace. And so, Lord, I, I pray that we would be experiencing more of your goodness now. We'll taste and see that the Lord is good.
and know that by gentle leading that you lead us on into more of you. And I pray that you would be growing us into that community that keeps one another to account and is sharing the good news of who you are. We thank you for your love and grace. We invite you here now. Amen.